What's up, everybody? Welcome to New Haunt Order. This is Matt Scott alongside Jim Jam. We're, we're joined. I'm joined with Jim Jam, as always, here with New Haunt Order. And we're doing a Haunter's Roundtable Storytelling. And we have on the show Tim Harkle Road and Carol Moore. Uh, Carol down there. <laughs> Tim, Tim is the guy who got me started in haunted houses back in 2006. Oh. I remember I remember I was sitting uh in a common area between classes at college and saw a, haunt, a local haunted house website or it might have been, even been a MySpace at the time. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, "Huh, that sounds like it might be fun. I like makeup. I like Halloween." So I emailed Tim. I was like, "Hey, I'm a theater major at ETSU. I really love horror makeup." Can I work at the haunted house? And I said no. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, getting an email back almost immediately. It was weird. <laughs> and he goes, hey, can you meet for lunch today? So I said, of course. I don't need computer science. So, <laughs> Mark, you can tell by the way this, this you can tell by the way this has gone so far that you didn't need computers. <laughs> I sadly I I failed that class probably three times. It was one of the easiest classes to take. I just never went. I never showed up. Um, but anyway, I go and I meet him at Hardy's in Johnson City. Nice. And uh, never I, I, I remember you had a you had a stack of doors in the back of your truck. <laughs> That was my first first introduction to haunt porn, Carol. Nice, I like that. Car carrying doors. <laughs> that's that's a that's my kind of guy right there. Uh, I, I made him. I, I tested him. I, I made him carry five doors around Hardy's parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> You're hired, kid. You're hired. <laughs> Say boo. Grab a door. Boo! Give me a dollar. Boo! Um, give me a dollar. Well, actually, the, the funny thing I do remember from that was uh, you said, all right, well, here's the interview. You're hired. You showed up. <laughs> we were, as you can tell, we were desperate. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> hadn't, even, hadn't even seen any of my makeup. He's like, sure. You can do it. Um, figure, it out, figure it out as you go, right? <laughs> pretty <Yeah>. much. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so tell me, tell me about your uh, – your thoughts that day when this random kid showed up wanting to work the haunted house? Well, most of the people, if they showed up uh, sober uh, or they weren't stoned yet, uh, I would usually hire them. Um, 
I, I mean, it was, I couldn't understand it because when I was, since I was in junior high, I was wanting to work haunted houses and I would work for nothing and I would work 24 seven. I mean, you put me, you know, when I'll give you an example, I, I started uh, college down here at UT in 77 and uh, the, uh, the Powell JCs uh, put on a haunted house over at 4th and Gill. This house was so scary when they would make a beer run, they'd make a beer run like every 10 minutes. But <laughs> when they make a beer run, they'd, I would, they said, just hang around here and get some work done and we'll go get some beer. Um, and honestly, I got the creeps in that house. It was truly, it was the quintessential haunted house. Uh, so I won't get into that right now, but we were so desperate for people. We're, I mean, and I was paying people. You, you know yourself. I didn't. I couldn't pay a lot. But you were paying. I was, paying. Giving, I was giving people gas money, and um, uh, somehow we put together a really good group. It was a small group, not as small as the group that had it to mall the first year. Oh Lord, the first year, Bill Tiller was running from scene to scene, switching masks back behind the. Wall. He stuck his head through the uh, through the crypt door, and he was going, blah, 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 blah. and he had his mask on upside down. The mouth was. Which <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, we kept we kept in the show because it made it that much scarier. <laughs> but when I, the worst part was when he came out there, oh, blah, 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 and he had that head up here, that mouth up here, and he, <laughs> the guy goes. Hey, dude, your head's on upside down. <laughs> anyway, I was so happy to get Matt because uh, he was interested. And uh, he he wanted to do it. It wasn't like something he had to do for community service or whatever. He was wanting to haunt. And we needed some makeup, uh, needed some makeup people. Because the problem was we were using masks 95% because people would show up two minutes before the doors open. So anyway, I was glad to have you. I was, I was glad to be there. And you talk about running from scene to scene. I remember the last weekend we were open, it got to the point to where I was hitting, I think six spots at one part of the show. I would pop up out of the casket. Then I would hit the, uh, the insane asylum door. Yeah. Then I would hit, hit the porch door. Mm -hmm. I would hit one of the crypt doors, and there's something else after that. And usually by the time I was getting done with that one, I'd have to run back to the casket and start over. Well, you'd have to go do Justin's. You'd have to go do Justin's scene because he would never stay in his scene. Yep. <laughs> Remember, we, he was the bed bug. We had him inside the bed. Yep. And and he a wouldn't group stay would come in the in scare spot. <laughs> a group would come in and nothing would happen because Justin's over following the previous group through we all we all know somebody like that <laughs> yeah see, see carol I've, I've been dealing with those kind of people since the beginning mm -hmm. <laughs> well so, uh, so you well, have people that follow the group the whole time he wasn't supposed to he just chose to do that 
he wanted to keep scaring and keep scaring and, you know, jump out here and jump out there, whether it made sense or not. <laughs> Usually it didn't. No. We, we have Maybe. a name for those kind of actors, Jimmy. Um, at least I do. And um, uh, that's that term is a fucko. <laughs> that's what I call them. That's uh, a pretty good way to just put all those kind of people in one term. That's how I use it anyway. <clears throat> I think it should be changed to Justin's. He's a Justin. <laughs> He's a, a Justo. A Justo. Um, yeah, I remember I worked there that one season. Uh, it was 2006. And you told me we weren't going to be doing it the next year. So I was like, well, where do I go now? Like, There's got to be another haunted house I can work in. I like, I just got to do this. And that was when I, uh, I was like, wait a minute. There's year-round haunted houses somewhere. So I remember I messaged the Mysterious Mansion and Ripley's Haunted Adventure. And Ripley's was the first one to respond. So that's where I decided to, to put it in my application. <laughs> Never heard back from the mansion, ever. Um, I bet you can get in there now. I absolutely can get in there now. I can <laughs> walk all, all the back hallways in that, that show. And, and Tim, I got to get you hooked up with Tristan, who's the GM up there now. I, that show has come a long way. It, I'm, it's just, uh, I think Adam was there. Is uh, is he still there? No, uh, Tristan actually took over Adam's position. Adam left to okay. go work for, I think, Fairfield. Okay. Well, they did a great job. Uh, whoever uh, restored that, that show, uh, ironically, uh, John and I went over to see the show the very day that Val Valentine died in Florida. The guy who built it. Yeah. Back 25, 30 years ago. Wow. What? I think they're, I think they're celebrating their 40th this year. Is it 40? Yeah, it is 40. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, Tristan mm. said they're trying to work, orchestrate a big, a big like press deal and have, have like a party and have a bunch of people come out like, uh, he wants to invite a bunch of haunters to come out and just kind of give a tour of the of the property, and it, it's really impressive. Uh, Carol, have you seen behind the scenes at the mansion? No, I've only been in it I think once when I was a young man, maybe. Uh, if, you know, so I haven't been, and I, I mean, Ripley's is probably the last one that I remember going through the hauntings, which was like on the corner right there. Mm -hmm. It was like yeah. that show you sit down in. And uh, yeah, it's an escape game now. I almost went to that one that uh, burned down. What was that one? It was, um, I think it, it was something, I think it was just called like it's where Ripley's is now. Like, I'm pretty yeah, sure because that, that old block it was, burned. Or something. It, was, it, was, it was on the it, same it was, block that the Believe It or Not's on. It was over by the Space Needle. Rebel Corner was there, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah, it was, it was adjacent to Rebel Corner. Yeah, I've never never got a behind the scenes tour of uh, of the mansion. I mean, hopefully, if I go back to East Tennessee, I'll hopefully get that opportunity. Well, I I know Tristan would would hook you up with that, and it, it's mind boggling to see how that show operates because it is not designed to handle any type of you know group of people at all. Like they're literally climbing ladders up and down between floors. <laughs> And I'm like, no wonder everyone over here was, was you know, on amphetamines. You had to. Handicapped. <laughs> that's, that's not fair. I'm sure everyone wasn't. <laughs> uh, 
right. Well, I'm sure um, someone wasn't. <laughs> I'm sure at least one person was not. Um, I I don't know. It's just a joke. So, <laughs> no, I don't want to get letters. Oh man, what the but hell? That's a gr- hey, let's 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 finish talking about the mansion by saying what a great show it is. It's absolutely a it's a phenomenal show and. Hats off to the people that act in that show because I know I couldn't run my big rear end all over that show and, and hit the spots. And then they're not only hitting spots, they're leaping from, you know, platform to platform and climbing the walls, and it's unbelievable. Yeah. But it's – he showed me one of the animatronics that was up in – the one that used to come out in the uh, – almost like the uh, the Widow's uh, – was it the Widow's Walk or whatever? Oh, you mean up on the outside? Yeah. He was showing me the animatronic, and it is, it's not a store-bought animatronic because when it was built, they didn't exist. Yeah. It's been welded together, and it's on a it's on a, a cam wheel with different notches, and, and every so often it'll come around and hit a timer to turn the motor on. It's, it's really <laughs> – I, I want to do a documentary about the mansion itself, like just the history of the mysterious mansion. Hey, who uh, who did the um, what's his name that did the Arch Mortis documentary? I can't remember his name. I can see his Which, face, but I don't think I ever knew his name, to be honest. Which um, documentary? It's uh, called a uh, Family of Fear. Yeah, I think it came out in the last last couple of years. It's about Arch Mortis down in Alabama. Um. His name is Stephen Lackey. Okay. He might. Uh, he's a director, so he might be able to help with that. I'd like to get uh, J. Michael involved in it. Exactly. That book right there. We're uh, mm-hmm. we're working on a couple of projects right now. Okay. We just we finished a script. Um, it's called Cracker Jack. It's a horror film supernatural horror film we're working on a christmas movie uh and two bigfoot he's working on a a bigfoot short and i'm also (laughs) working on a bigfoot short and uh we've got we got a couple of things in the in the works i don't know if we'll sell anything i I hope we will yeah he'd do great you know he did the jaws uh documentary the shark's still working yep nice yeah, Carol's like, a big like that. buddy. It's a good one. It's <laughs> a great documentary. He managed to get everybody. Uh, everybody in that movie is 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 on the documentary. Even uh, Spielberg. Wow, that's a big catch right there. Um, well, uh, I I don't know if you know this, but uh, I also have Tennessee Horror News, and uh, I can help promote anything you need to. Uh, promoted so, yeah just throwing out that throwing out that out there <clears throat> where are you located are you in nashville jimmy i'm in, I'm in manchester manchester yeah england <laughs> no 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 tennessee <laughs> yeah. yeah you can tell by that great english accent he's got <laughs> british accent that's a manchester i live i live in the south of manchester england Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the southern portion. Oh, all right. So, Carol, let's uh, let's talk about how you and I met. We'll oh man, I met Tim. 
uh, we we didn't even actually meet. We met at the haunt, but not working the haunt together. Yep, that was uh, that was to me. That was just hilarious how that happened. I'm sitting there, you know, helping you guys film that movie, making sure you got what you need, coming and going, trying to build at the same time with helping y'all. And we're sitting there shooting the scene, and you're kind of hanging behind the scenes, and you've been doing makeup. And uh, what did you say? Is is that a Viper Fogger? Yeah, I, just, I stuck my head around. I was like, oh, you guys got a Viper. <laughs> and what I say is, what do you know about a Viper? Something like that. <laughs> I was like, who the who the hell is this guy? Name dropper. <laughs> I was like, hold on a second, time out. This dude knows this dude knows something about spooking because he knows what this fog machine is. And that was that was the one and only time I've ever been at Monster Mountain. I never I never got to go through, never worked it, uh, never never had any any of the stories from the mountain. Uh, well, that's that's good and bad. That's good and bad. Uh, I think the, the after that we met uh, when I was doing Dark Descent at Nashville Nightmare. I took you to Jerry's yep. Superdog. Oh we had a, man, we had a meeting at Jerry's Superdog. Yeah. Yep. I miss Jerry's. Me too. Uh, the whole gluten story. That's a that's a great one. That's a great story. <laughs> So, so y'all, so let me set the let me set the tone about Jerry's yeah. Superdog. Where Nashville Nightmare is located, it's in a shopping center in Madison Square, and it's like on the bottom half. But if you go around the back side, what used to be a Baskin Robbins uh, turned into a hot dog shop called Jerry's Superdog. And he's been in Madison, Tennessee, for years, but his old place burned down. So he comes to this place. He's used to selling beer and, and smoking and all this stuff. Well, this new place, it was like next to a school, so he couldn't do sell the beer. You're not supposed to smoke in an establishment unless it's 21 and up. Jerry did not give a damn. Uh, Jerry's ash from his cigarettes would just put that little seasoning on your hot dog just perfect. And he'd be sitting there with a cigarette in his mouth making your hot dog. So this hipster walks in one day. This hipster walks in, he goes, Hey man, um, can I get a? Let me get one of those hot dogs, bro, and um, let me get a gluten-free bun. And Jerry goes, a "What now? A what?" He said, "A gluten-free bun." He goes, uh, a, "A what? What now?" And he goes, "Just don't worry about it. Just don't put a bun on it." So he, he hands this dude a hot dog with no bun. He walks out, and Jerry's looking at him like this here. <laughs> he looks at me as he takes a drag off that cigarette and goes, "Curl, what the fuck's a gluten?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I lost it, man. I lost it, dude. He he was the oh. coolest. He loved Alabama football. I would get. He was closed on Sundays because that was the day he would clean the restaurant. He probably didn't clean it any other time. But uh, he, I would go in there uh, on some Saturdays and get a hot dog. You watch in Alabama. I go on Sundays and watch football. But he was a great dude. He practically lived there because he worked all the time. He had no family. And uh, sad, sad day, uh, the health inspector was coming to inspect uh, for the new inspection, and they found him passed away in the back. He had had a heart oh. attack and, and died in the restaurant. Oh, man. Um, but great dude, awesome hot dog. Uh, I miss that place. But that's – we would – working at National Nightmare, we would walk to it because it was so close. And uh, we loved Jerry's Superdog. We sure did. It was a – that was they our spot phenomenal. for a while. 
They were so good. Yeah. And they and they weren't like a little little piddly hot dog. I mean, you got a you got a meal when you when you bought a hot dog. That's super special, man. That oh man, I'm just thinking about it. Damn. <laughs> so, do you all have a? Um, I mean, we used to do the waffle dog, uh, waffle house. We got it waffle dog after the hunt. Or we go yeah. to Pier Pierkins. Pierkins. Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh man. Well, that's the only place open that. There that is. Carol, yeah. say what you will, but I love Perkins. You're nasty, man. That, Perkins. That's <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. Oh, Twelve. When I'm when I'm rolling through East Tennessee, and I see that Perkins on the left side of forty, right before I get to the split, or maybe uh -huh. after. No, it's right before the split. It's right. It's there at uh, it's at Dandridge. Yeah, the Dandridge exit, and I'm like. Ugh. Oh, I just I can't even think about it, man. It just makes me really. I, I mean, I would rather guy, I would rather go to IHOP than Perkins, and I'm not a fan of IHOP. Country fried steak, and and you want to know what gluten is? That's that <laughs> that, that white gravy they put on the pure gluten. Hey, I I am all about a, a choking puke and a and a greasy spoon, but something about Perkins, man, I just I just can't get behind mm. it. I. I'll eat Waffle House all day long. I, I love me some Waffle House. The best yeah. thing, yeah. the best thing at the Johnson City Perkins, was being there around three in the morning. Oh, because that was when the that's when all the bars shut down. Oh yeah. my God! And inevitably, every night around three a.m., especially Saturday, that was the best time. But it would just be a, an influx of the crowd from the gay bar and the redneck <laughs> bar. They would just Listen. converge. And it was like detente. It was like dinner theater. It's about uh, to be about to rumble. Yeah. Johnson so City takes of... its gay clubs very, very seriously. I mean it's it's an, an art form. Actually. Well they're like they're like number two per capita. Yeah. Uh right behind San Francisco. Yeah. Really? So, I did not know that. Yep. Oh yeah. Wow. I've only been to Johnson City a few times. You know, the farmer's daughter is up that way. I think. Who's the, she? Up, <laughs> I know a few of them. <laughs> the farmer's daughter is great. And then uh, what's that town that hung that elephant, Matt? Irwin. Yeah. So sad. Oh. Uh, unless you're from Irwin, you don't go to Irwin. And they, <laughs> they know if you're from there because you're related to them if you are. <laughs> There's a sign that says, if you're not from Irwin, if you can read this sign, run. Yeah, if, you can't, if you can't read, just run. <laughs> yeah, Irwin is a, uh, it is a unique town. That's, that's being nice. It's the home um, of Clinchfield Railroad. Yep. It's a, hmm. it's a beautiful area. Like, gorgeous area as far as, you know, landscape goes. It's just, and it, and I haven't been there in years, but I doubt that it's really uh, progressed much from what it used to be when I was growing up. Why should it? <laughs> but uh, it was, it was, it was literally, it was an area that unless you had business there, you just don't hang out there. It's like Newport. Hey, yeah. hey, 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 Newport. <laughs> it's a fantastic town. My mom lives in Newport. Are you uh, serious? She, but, yeah. yeah. But your mom, mom from my Newport. mom lives in Newport, and uh, does she cook, crack, or just sell it? <laughs> Both. Because <laughs> everybody, I'm, I'm Matt. You'll, you'll attest to the fact that's like the crack 
capital of the world. Cock County yep. is a hell of a county, let me tell you. It's moonshine. Yep. Hey, uh, Popcorn Sutton used to supply the moonshine to her husband. Uh, my stepdad, when I first met him, he's like, Kerr, you like moonshine? And I was like, yeah, I like moonshine, Mitch. He's like, all right, get a little bit out there. And I was like, all right, let me try it. And I was like, that's pretty good. And he's like, hey, her popcorn. And he was talking about popcorn and how he would come into the hardware store where Mitch would work and get his supplies and stuff. And, yeah. our, you know, before popcorn had that show, you know, Mitch was always talking about popcorn and my mom was talking about him. I was like, who is, is this some just, you know, Cock County resident that y'all are, you know, preaching about, but he was the real deal. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, my mom, you know, she went to, my mom was a, is a chef and uh, she went to culinary school at the Opryland Hotel and then was moving around from place to place and she just missed Tennessee. So she was trying to get back home and she took the first gig she could in Tennessee and it was actually a Ryan's all you can eat buffet in Newport, which they actually paid really well. Um, which was, cause I was like, Ryan's, I said, like, mom, you're overqualified to work at a Ryan's. She's like, well, I don't just work there. I'm a manager. And I was like, okay. But she explained it to me and her salary was more than she was making anywhere else, which was surprising. But that Ryan's is right there off the interstate in Newport. So they got a lot of tour, you yep. know, buses and stuff like that. She worked there and, uh, and she met her husband there. And so she ended up staying in Newport. So I, I go out there. Uh, I used to go twice a year, but now I go, you know, just for Thanksgiving. And uh, I like Newport and Morristown a lot. I, I, I would love to do a haunt out East Tennessee out that way. But, you know, it's kind of – I'd rather do one either in Austin or Nashville or – Well, Mike Wooden does really well up at uh, Fright Mayor Manor, and I think he lives in Nashville. Yeah, he's got, he just, he bought the old Starlight Lounge and uh, on Dickerson Road in Nashville, and he does that, uh, that haunt out Beast there. Beast House. Yeah, Beast House, which I thought was like a, when I first heard Beast House, I thought it was a, uh, a CrossFit gym. Like, they were doing, like, workout stuff, like, come to Beast House, you know, like, do you even lift, bro? And I, I was like, Beast House, what is that? That's Sounds like an Argentinian steak place. <laughs> I've been there twice, man, and, uh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty good. They got you. They grabbed you by the leg, didn't they, Jimmy? Yeah. <clears throat> well, unfortunately, Matt, I can't. I won't say on the recording because Matt got on to me for saying this. <laughs> Let's just say some uh, smelly people. Uh, actors are smelly, man. Yeah. Well, they, they got a guy uh, up in um, in Morristown at Frightmare, and I don't know where. I guess Sinister Sense. Uh, is uh, he's? I mean, it's putrid. <laughs> I don't know how he stands to to wear the thing. Of course, we had a guy worked our second year, just smelled like that naturally. Oh yeah, man. I've I've encountered some uh, some naturally essenced actors through the years. Uh, a lot of pilots never wash their costumes. I think it's for that reason. That, oh, well. And to me, that's that's such a stupid thing to me. Like. You can make artificial scents to scent your costumes with. You don't need bacteria growing that you're then putting someone in. Like, clean your stuff. That's like old school haunt mentality. You know, that's one of the things that just needs to disappear. Oof, Dr. Yeah, John. Stuff that, you know, yeah, people used to do. Dr. John. Dr. John. <laughs> this make it look fun. Um, first year I went to Transworld, 
no second year I went to Trans World. Senator Sense was handing out these little vials about this big of different smells. Oh, and I no. think I got rotted corpse and tainted bacon and Phil Morris's socks and that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, I got on the plane flying back home and one of those vials opened up inside my carry-on bag. <laughs> and luckily it didn't really show up to about 10 minutes before we're landing. Everybody's going like this and I'm going, <laughs> I wonder what that is. And uh, man, I got off that airplane as quick as possible and it ruined every brochure. You know, I got a lot of brochures and really cool haunt catalogs and stuff I wanted to read. And, I couldn't even stand it. I had to throw the bag away. You Ooh. People still talk about you, Tim, from that flight. There was this one flight I took, and there was this man who smelled so awful. <laughs> yeah. He was a huge, bulging man. <laughs> <laughs> and see, Carol, it, it, it's unanimous. I, 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 tell I, people, I, I tell Carol all the time, I can tell whether I can be friends with someone on uh, whether we can converse in movie quotes. <laughs> exactly. Huge, beastly, bulging I, man. And, and half said, of mine come from Christmas vacation anyway. Oh, great, great flick, great flick. Yeah. <laughs> well, but going you, back to going back to where you know places that you know I would eat or the crew would eat. Waffle House was huge. Uh, sometimes we go to Beyond the Edge, which was in East Nashville, because they were open pretty late. A lot of places aren't open late. You know, uh, especially, you know, Madison, Hendersonville. I fell asleep at Waffle House a few times. Yep. Uh, Matt, you were there and almost got arrested, right? I was there for that one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Hendersonville Police Department uh, decided to uh, – well, let's – Carol doesn't get along with cops to begin with. It's not my fault. They they had <laughs> – they just, they look at my face. I, I, I piss people off. I don't know what, it, what I do. It's, it's something about you. I don't know. <laughs> people just have a, um, uh, a dislike towards me sometimes. And the police are number one. Um, yeah, they, they were out there. Something was, what was it? Some, like, someone like, someone had, I think a couple people were having a fight and someone called and said that, some some guy had threatened to shoot somebody. So I go to the so, bathroom, and I'm coming back to the table, it, just minding my own business, and this officer busts in the, the Waffle House and comes straight to me. Of all the people in the Waffle House, he comes straight to me and goes, hey, what'd you say out there? I go, uh, I'm sorry, I was in the bathroom. He goes, no, 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 what did you say out there? I was like, I, I, I didn't say anything. And he gets on the radio and he's like, uh, what, what did he look, what's the suspect look like? And I was pissed. And then uh, my girlfriend at the time was like, Carol, calm down, calm down. I was like, no, he just accused me. It was, and then next thing I know, a dude's getting tased outside and, you know, because he wouldn't give them their ID. It was just a big debacle. The, the, the dude was already in handcuffs yeah. and they bent him over the cop car and tased him between the shoulder blades. I'm pretty sure Snake Man was there too. Snake Man, he and, was. And, and T.D. was, was there. It was Snake, T.D., you, me, and, and Anna. And uh, Steve's a hood that could have been you down there. <laughs> Best part though is when is when the guy, the cop calls. He goes, "Take a description of the suspect." Call comes back. Goes, uh, "Black male." That's Carol. 
That's me, right? So he was he was hell bent, and it was me. He was like, "I got this guy dead to rights." <laughs> I'm just trying oh. to enjoy my my hash browns, my waffle, and this dude gets in my business, man. I don't know. Did he at least apologize? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You kidding me? Oh, speaking of police, were you there that night at Death Yard, Matt, when the cop comes flying in, like, yeah. pulled, like blazing hell into our parking lot? And I was like, I got this. And he goes, you're the owner? And I was like, yep, what's up? And he goes, is that your sign by the road? And I was like, oh, the one that's not licensed and we don't have a permit for? Yes. And he's like, well, somebody just uh, ran over it with their car drunk. Do you want to press charge? I was like, no, we're good. What are you supposed to be there? <laughs> are they okay? <laughs> Send them my regards. Tell me about Snake Man. Snake Man is is a legend. Um, yeah. He, I met him at Monster Mountain, and if, we'll just go ahead and show the public who Snake Man is, if they can see this. Yeah. He, um... He's a guy that's he worked at Monster Mountain and he's a little bit of knows a little bit of everything about construction. He's not like you know a huge carpenter by any means, but he's been around a lot. He knows what he's doing. Got a heart of gold. He can't. He had a fell and hit his head when he was younger on a house. I was, wait, I was waiting lived. for that part of the story. Go ahead. <laughs> he uh, he lived in this house next to where they used to make Gibson houseboats in Gulletsville. And in the weekends, he would go there and play on the houseboats when they were closed. And his sister kept telling him, don't you go over there. I'm going to bust your butt. So he went over there and was playing on the boats and saw his sister coming. And she was going to basically, you know, whoop his butt. And uh, so he got scared, trip and fell, hit the boat with his head, did another, hit, him, hit the boat again, and then hit the pavement the third time. So that did something to his brain where his uh, short-term memory, so he, him trying to learn new things was very difficult. So, um, you know, he, he can't read very well. Um, you know, he has uh, seizures um, and he's just very, um, he can't, he can function like a normal adult and everything, nothing wrong with him, but like his, he just can't learn as fast as others. I mean, he called me Karen for like the first two months that I met him, he just kept calling me Karen, and I never corrected him. Your you know, name isn't Karen? Karen, yeah. I thought it was Erica. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the screen. Yeah, it was on the screen. Um, but the Snake Man, uh. would, he he would, uh, we called Snake Man because he had this giant python that he that would, they would carry around the haunted house, and he would hold it, put it in people's faces, and all that stuff. But he's He's always just this character that when he starts to get intoxicated, he just says the craziest and does the craziest stuff. And Matt's, Matt's been around him. Uh, I got I could do a whole video about just Snake Man in general, but um, he would tell these crazy stories, okay? So here we give an example. He went to Japan. He got a black belt in karate, flew a helicopter upside down, worked for the CIA and he was did all this crazy stuff in Japan and he I was like snake man did you, were you in the CIA he's like yeah man, I was doing all this stuff so at this time he's telling me these crazy stories he's telling me he had this badass you know uh 
Chevy Impala. Anyway, so I'm like, Snake Man's just, he doesn't know that this isn't the truth. This is just stuff that he's thought up or whatever. Yeah. So we're at this gas station getting him some cold beer one day. And this guy walks up and goes, what's up, James? And that's his real name. He's like, hey, what's going on, man? And uh, he's like, man, you still got that badass Impala? And I was like, do what? Does Snake Man really have an Impala? And this guy was like, man, that was such a badass ride. Me and you should cruise in Madison Square. And it did hit me like, what if he really was in the CIA? He does have a black belt in karate, and he did fly a helicopter upside down. I don't even know if Snake Man, you know, like this dude could be James Bond for all I know. You know, the redneck James Bond who does his own tattoos. I don't know. I didn't tell you I did all that. Uh, when he when he called me a stupid ass, that was probably one of the, the funniest times I, I remember. I laughed so hard. Stupid <laughs> hey, ass. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time with House of Shock. Yeah. And um, I got to know. Uh, well, Ross is one of my one of my best buddies. Uh, I got to know Ross really well. Ross Carpelman. When I first heard about uh, heard about House of Shock, I had started working out in New Orleans. I did cruise ships for 27 years. I was working out in New Orleans, and uh, I had just published my book, my first book, and um, uh, I did a magic convention in in uh, New Orleans. And some people said, "Oh man, y'all hear about this haunted house they got down here?" Uh, man, they got uh, they got devil stuff, and they got they worship devil and worship Satan and all this. And I said, I gotta find out about this. So um, I had made a friend, Doug Ferguson, uh, the Phantasm mechanic. Do y'all know of Doug? He invented the flying crank ghost. Yes, I've heard that name. Yes, and uh, he created Phantasm mechanics. He's one of my best friends as well, and. Uh, he loved House of Shock, and he he knew them. He eventually worked for them, built a dark ride for them one year, matter of fact. Uh, but uh, he he introduced me, and I I I called uh, Ross, and they were coming up to uh, Chicago for the uh, Transworld show. So I said, "Well, let's meet up there. I want to meet you guys." So uh, uh, we went out and had dinner at uh, Umberto or somebody's clam house. It was amazing food anyway i got to know the house of shock people and that's the nicest bunch of people i've uh, i've ever worked with they're not satanist i mean like ross says he goes hell i ain't a satanist i'm jewish for crying out loud um which you know in, in east tennessee it's <laughs> that's the same thing that's <laughs> the same thing um but one, um one might be worse than the other i'm not sure <laughs> What I didn't know was uh, who Phil and Selma was, um, and um, I met Phil. He used to sit. He had a perch in the House of Shock. He had uh, like a lounge chair, and he had TV screens, and he had buttons he had pushed to make something squirt water or smoke or something jump up or whatever. Uh, he he wasn't there a whole lot, but he had his own perch seat. House of Shock started with uh, Ross Carbelman, Steve J, uh, uh, Jay Grashinette, and Phil Anselmo. And they started the House of Shock in Greg Jay Grashinette's grandfather's backyard. Wow. 
they hung some sheets over clotheslines and they sit around and said, hey, remember we used to go to these crappy haunted houses as kids, so why don't we build one? So they did one and just did it as a goof, you know, and invited a few people. Well, like hundreds of people showed up. <laughs> so the next year they decided to find a location. I don't know when they got into the warehouse over there. It was under the Huey P. Long Bridge. Yeah, and it's, it was it's, um, House of Shock is still there. It's just not House of Shock anymore. Yeah, um, uh, Ross Ross came to Pigeon Forge not too long ago last year, I guess, and uh, came to see the show. And we we talked a long time. It was on. It was off. On and off again. And uh, I don't know if it'll ever achieve the level of just crazy insanity that it was when they had it. You know, he asked me one time, he said, what's the difference between House of Shock and and uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Sanborn has uh, 13th Gate? I said, well, if you see the same scene in each haunted house over here, let's say you've got, you got a, a, a clown eating a dead deer. I said, 13th Gate, you've had probably two technicians have worked on this, crafting this fake deer for two weeks, hand inserting the hair and, and yeah. everything to make it look realistic. Whereas House of Shock, somebody probably hit the deer with a truck on his way into work and it drug under his truck all the way there. And then some guy in the clown suit decides to eat it. Yep, sounds about that's right. The that's the difference between the two. Both were amazing shows. I love Dwayne's show. And I love the guys at House of Shock. I miss that show. Uh, but, man, they had some wild people. Um, I met a girl one time back in the makeup trailer. I, I went down to her work one night, and she was wearing a dress made out of duct tape, which she put on there in the, the makeup trailer. Man. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, they had, uh, they had the uh, what they call the satanic church. Now, I'm a Christian, you know, I, uh, I don't familiarize with Satan. I don't want anything to do with him, but, and yeah, these people weren't Satanists. I don't know, one or two of them might've been out of the whole crowd, but, uh, they had this church in the middle of House of Shock and Ross was Lord Belial. He was up on this big pulpit, I guess. And then they had these girls in these Catholic school girl uh outfits um being flogged and whipped by demons <laughs> i mean it don't get no better than that uh but um and i've never uh, it's just uh, they didn't try to pay to good be, money to see that absolutely they didn't try to be the craziest wildest most out there haunted house they just were yeah. it just Came natural. Hey, I'm gonna say, uh, Go ahead, Jimmy. I'm gonna say one word: drill dough. <laughs> I think, I think House of Shock still had us beat. Um, drill, yeah, okay. drill dough. I about got attacked by a drill dough when I went through death, uh, dead yard. Death yard. <laughs> yeah, that little, uh, that little girl wanted to do things to me that I didn't want. <laughs> we we had some some crazy some crazy stuff at death yard. Uh, the genesis of, of the drill dough, I remember this conversation well. 
uh, we're sitting at Transworld. I think it was my first year going to Transworld. Um, we're sitting there in the out in the common area, not on the show floor, not where the other you know haunt weirdo people are. We're out in the the common area. And there's kids walking by going to the Lego convention, <laughs> and Carol's sitting there. We're all sitting at the table. He goes, "All right," and he's talking like normal normal voice level talking. He goes, "So I want to have like I'll have this this chick strapped down to a table with like stirrups." And just a, a wooden spike on a motor just going into her. He goes, can we tie in a water effect to it? So as you're going through, you're getting water flung on you. I'm like, Carol, we're going to get shut down before we open. Uh, what <laughs> is Was that the haunt he wanted to do this? Yes. We did yes. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My, a lot of people kept saying, Carol, that's low-hanging fruit. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. And Low-hanging fruit. Yeah. My favorite <laughs> review was, I give this haunt four stars. I would have gave it five. But the image of that drill dough will be forever etched in my brain. And I can't get get it out of my head. So, therefore, four stars. You did the – you actually did it? Yeah, yes. yeah. It was. It was. It wasn't just to have a set the scene. It was a seven deadly sins room. So she was lust, and it wasn't like we just did it just to have her. It, like it. It was. Yeah. There was purpose behind it. Yeah. Um, it, it it fit in the story really well, and where honestly, where is it being inserted? Um, in her nether regions. Yes. <laughs> now, that's not being confused with nether world. No, right, right. No, no, Ben would never do this. Ben would, no. Ben would never do this. We had to open a haunt called Nether Region. <laughs> I think that might attract the wrong kind of clientele. Yes, that's absolutely. That's Michael Jackson's uh, amusement park. <laughs> oh, but surprisingly, that that didn't get as as much heat as I thought it was going to. I thought a lot more people were going to be upset by it and offended by it. And they really weren't. I mean, a lot of people commented on it, but no one was like, that's, you know, that's poor taste and that's, you know, too far. Especially as, as I'm in there and I'm stringing across the room for people to walk under an umbilical cord <laughs> and hanging a baby off of it. I'm in there doing it going, I'm going to hell. Um, but it was she naked? Yes. Yeah, it was we, it was a naked it was a, it was a it was a dummy. Oh. It was a dummy. It wasn't it wasn't a live actress. Hey, what let me ask you. I got a I got a I got a picture of Matt working uh, on that dummy. Yeah, naked. Not. I hope he's not naked. <laughs> no, Matt. Matt is not. That is I'm something the dummy you can fully never unsee. <laughs> the the dummy's fully clothed. Matt has never seen himself naked. Not all of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he pulling up this picture? I hang on. Let's see if I can. I don't know. <laughs> can you see hang that? Out. That's Matt. A, that was oh, okay. from that was a dapper cadaver prop. Budget Jessica and Matt did a great job. And budget Jessica. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, she had all the flashing on her. Nothing was trimmed. Nothing was painted. Nothing uh, was trimmed. Matt, Matt did a lot of good work in that Seven Deadly Sins. He did a gluttony uh, stomach. Um, 
We did uh what'd you use for that, Matt? Uh pantyhose and cotton batting. <laughs> Nothing but the best. Yep. Uh that was the room where I I worked I uh figured out my perma blood recipe. That was the best batch you've ever made. I know. Ah. It was all downhill after that one. <laughs> I'm hoping one day to get me a Death Yard shirt made. Well, I tell you, I, did I ever send you that, that file? No, the, no, you didn't. Not yet. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. I bought I bought one of your uh, new Hot Order shirts, Jimmy. Well, hell yeah. I oh, hope you use my promo code so you can get uh, it. Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember if I did, but. So you can get you, it really you, you cheap. You get some of that money, right, Jimmy? Got $2. Well, there you go. There you go. Better than that. early. I, I don't care if I got any money. I just want the shirt, uh, you know, the shirt to be out there being ripped, you know, so. I heard that. I Going back to, you know, the drill dough, we, that same year we had uh, Nazi zombies and nobody said anything about that. Yep. Um, well, they they were zombie Nazis. They were Nazis first and became zombified. <laughs> they, they didn't they didn't make a conscious decision as zombies to join the National Socialist Party. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's stuff like that. I mean, I don't know if if Death Yard was open today, it probably would not be open. We probably would have got no. shut down. Yeah. I know. I tell we're, you, talk. Talking about House of Shock, though, Snake Man's favorite haunted house, he talks about it all the time, is House of Shock. He he saw it, and he said the pyro was going off so much it was melting the stage because they went for Haunt Con one year. You could, feel, you could feel the hairs on your face singe when they did their pre-show. Steve J did all the pyrotechnics, and he's done pyrotechnics for different rock groups and, you know, uh, they were all pretty much in the music business. I don't know about Jay Grashenet. I know Steve Jay was a pyrotechnician, pyrotechnician, uh, and Ross played keyboards. And uh, actually, the last few years, uh, he was driving the Nickelback's bus, I believe. Um, uh, but he's—they're all such a wonderful. Uh, it, it was a great bunch of people. And uh, oddly enough, Matt, one of the first jobs I ever had in a haunted house was the Snake Man. Huh. Um, small world. It's a small world. Small Bring snake world. <laughs> I was uh, I was working at the uh, JC's Haunt over on Fourth and Gill in Knoxville, and there was an area when you walked by it was sunken down. There's like two steps, and then there was a room. So as you walk by the railing, I'm I come up to about here on you, right? Uh, so I had this, I put this leather jacket. Uh, I found a leather jacket that had a snake pattern on it. I put it on backwards. And I, okay. I, slicked, my, I slicked my hair back and I did a snaky sort of makeup. But they had the best, they had a rubber cobra that stood up about like this. And it was, top part of it had a stiff wire in it. And you could really manipulate the thing. And I had a little air hose. They had actually had an air compressor in the, the room behind me. So I had that snake hissing at him and and that was basically it. Well, one night we had a group come in, about 10 really, really large black girls and a kid up front looked like Urkel. And uh, the girls were about yours and 
our size together. Okay. Each other. I mean, it's some big girls, a lot of meat. Um, <laughs> and they get to my room and they've been screaming through the whole thing. And they got Urkel up front, right? Well, Urkel hits my room and he just goes down on the floor because I'm his, I'm working at Snake, you know? Yeah. Like 3D. And, um, <laughs> well, they go down on top of him. I don't know how he kept from getting, I mean, they were, JC's were coming in, picking him up, and Urkel's down there somewhere at the bottom. Uh, but that was my <laughs> first job uh, at a big full time JC's haunted house. That's snake man. Well, speaking of uh, small worlds, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Tim's banjo has been at Death Yard. Really? Over at uh, Steve's? Yep. Over at Steve's, yep. St Steve Huber owned, that, uh, owned the building. Let me tell you something about old Steve Huber. That's <laughs> a hell of a man. That guy, I, I had him convinced one time that Death Yard, the space he rented me, had a basement that he never knew about. <laughs> we had a, a, a bottomless pit illusion and I'm walking him through the haunt and I go I go whoa, whoa watch out Steve you know we found this hole we ain't fixed it yet today it just kind of the floor gave in he goes are you shitting me <laughs> like he's gonna start renting his basement out and before I could you know even like tell him it was you know, I was messing with him. He was like, I'm going to get such and such. I was like, Steve, it's a joke. It's a mirror. He's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So then we kept walking through, and uh, I took him to this, the lab set. You know that one that had the counter mat with all the cobwebs you did on it? It looked yeah. like it had been sitting there for just decades. And he goes, wow, what is this? I said, we found it behind the wall. <laughs> and he believed me, man. <laughs> that guy was just great. He's just a great dude. I would go over and chat with him. He really – he really enjoyed us being there, except for when the uh, do not use the elevator. When that whole soundtrack was playing, Matt, he hated my guts. He was like, every time he, he turned the music on, I got to get the hell out of here. So Steve I, is a good dude. I have never met Steve. Um, how he ended up with my banjo, my buddy Blake Hopper. Uh, I restored my old banjo that I'd had since I was about 14. I had a lot of problems, just had gotten beat up going to all around the world when I worked cruise lines. So uh, we were restoring it. There's a guy up here uh, that was going to work on the, work on the neck and he went to Florida and I needed the banjo and Blake took it down to Steve and Steve did not even charge me to do the neck on it. He's, he's a really good guy. He's very well respected amongst uh banjo players and just anybody that has anything to do with banjos he has a i, I saw a picture it wasn't steve it's someone that works for him they're holding two gibson granada pre-war flathead banjos each one of them worth each one of them worth a quarter of a million dollars oh i know he he showed them to me one day and he's got these you know i hope i'm not putting his business in the street but he's got these giant safes at that location and i was like dude you know what do you keep in there you know like gold he's like no nah, banjos and i was like he told me the story about the gibson banjos and i was like oh my god like it's it's crazy that he he knows his stuff you know what i mean yeah uh he he's legit nice dude and he's a, he was a great landlord i i 
I wish we could have stuck around there because he was a good dude. He really wanted us to stay. He really liked us being there. Um, I wish that that property had, you know, A, better street frontage and B, better parking because we would, we would still be there killing it. Hey man, and Jolly Ollie's, man. Shout out to Jolly Ollie's for giving us that free pizza every Saturday. Yeah. So wow. good. Yep, the only uh, pirate-themed pizza restaurant I've ever been in, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, well, fortunately, so, I was able to actually go to that hunt twice. Yeah. We, I never made it down. I'm sorry I never made it down there. Um, you hey, know, you're not the only one, Tim. We didn't have a lot of people show up. <laughs> We, we got, like, it's like Crone House. People would call and they say, what time do you open? I said, when can you be here? <laughs> Somebody I, said, is this, a non, is this a non-profit business? I said, well, it's turning out that way. <laughs> it has been so far. Yeah. Uh, man, Tim has, you know, talking about, you know, funny stories of, and just things that I, I look back on the haunted house. Tim said one of the funniest descriptions of a haunted house one time. He was talking about dealing with a fire marshal and how, you know, sometimes you get a fire marshal that comes in and will, you know, if you have a screw that's not screwed in all the way, they'll, they'll cite you for it. But then you got some haunted houses that are built out of uh, old Christmas trees and gasoline and the fire marshal will approve them. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I mean, it's true. That description um, has just stuck in my brain. That's one th the one thing I was always really proud of Crown House. We worked really hard to be up to code and mm -hmm. just get along with the fire marshal. I mean, they'll put you out of business if you're not. But I, I went uh, the year you worked for us, or it might have been the year before, um, guy from Bristol came down. And I had met with him in his office before we started building. He said, uh, do you have any experience building haunted house? I said, yes. And I said, plus I've, I've written some books. I helped start a, a national organization. And one of our key elements is safety. Um, and um, I gave him my plans and everything. Well, he came down to see the haunt before we opened. Brought a fire truck. Uh, actually brought two trucks down there. About six or eight firemen. Some of them were in bunker gear. And they walked the entire haunted house and uh because they wanted to familiarize themselves and, and we were doing uh, that triangular grid system and I, you can't you can't reorient yourself once you're in there but we had yeah. no dead corners we had no you know uh it, it was it was a straight it was a path that yeah. you could stick to plus we had three fire exits in a very short uh, manner anyway he came out and he said, well, you done your homework. And he walked off and the fireman walked over to me. He said, I've never seen him pass anything without saying something. He said, you did good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, you know, we've dealt a lot with safety and the, the uh, state shutting haunts down here in Tennessee. Uh, you know, John and, and Chris Stansbury, John Tarplin, Chris Stansbury went and talked to the state legislature mm -hmm. and uh, talked to them uh, about, I mean, you've got, you've got haunts that are next door to a fire department. 
or honks that um, the thing about wanting sprinklers, for instance, by the time sprinklers come on, people are dead. Yeah. Uh, it's, it should never be just, well, you got to have sprinklers. Because you can have sprinklers and people can still die because the time the fire gets to the sprinkle head, <coughs> excuse me, in some buildings, the smoke, smoke, smoke kills people. Yeah. Smoke kills people. So my theory is if you want to make haunted houses safe, rather than worrying about sprinkler systems, have them install smoke uh, not just smoke alarms and detectors, but uh, fans, exhaust fans that can clear, you know, clear the building in, in a minute. Um, yeah, sprinklers are good, but sprinklers save buildings. Uh, yeah. It's smoke that kills people. <clears throat> What's up, everybody? Welcome to New Haunt Order. This is Matt Scott alongside Jim Jam. Yeah. You know, the suppression system, you know, basically what it boils down to is I think a lot of these cities and, you know, and state too, they have a sprinkler system that just, it saves their ass. Everything that they do is all about saving their ass because they don't want to allow a business in their city or state to do, operate, and put people in danger. And you know, like we had the probably the worst sprinkler system at Death Yard. It was a dry system, and it would bust every winter. It doesn't matter if we drained it or not, like drain the, the drip valves or not. It would always bust. I remember I'm at a, a, a formal event for my old day job, a wedding venue, at the Omni, and I get a phone call, and that water is, you know, six inches deep at Death Yard because the sprinkler busted, you know, and we had to go and crank it down and the fire marshals, they just want to say, just make sure that they save their ass and make sure everybody's safe. And obviously, a sprinkler system can put you back 30, 50 grand easy, yeah. you know, and some haunts can't do that. And I think a lot of the times, if you can't do, you know, be up to par, then, you know, you're never going to be able to open one. And I, I, I mean, they don't require other they don't require other businesses to have sprinkler systems. Grocery stores aren't required to have them. If you know yourself, the grocery store can <coughs> can move out and the haunt can move in the next year and there's nothing there. Yeah, I think so, like pre-existing buildings, um, I, I guess dealing with uh, a National Nightmare and like they have this little bitty, at least Davidson County, they have this like 
uh, entertainment clause or some kind of a deal where like special amusement, I think is what they call it. And that kind of what sucks is haunted houses are bunched into this category where it doesn't help us by any means. And, you know, they don't really know how to classify a haunt. So they're, they're always like, it's a weird, even when you're trying to do like, when I was trying to, I was in business school, trying to do a business plan on haunted houses. There wasn't no such thing. Nobody knows about haunted houses unless you're in the business. Even when you're in the business, nobody really wants to give you the hundred percent, all the details because they, you know, it, it's kind of a ego driven, you know, you know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of information when it comes to that I stuff. Have a, in, in I have a giant ego, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we, a lot of, we have a bad reputation with city officials, with realtors, with leasing agents. Um, you know, and it's, it's sad because haunters are actually some of the best people. Now there's been a few apples spoiled a bunch, but, um, you know, it, every city's different. And, you know, I've, I've heard of people saying you have a, you have a suppression system. That's great, but you didn't get it installed by X guy. So yeah. X guy is going to have to come in here and do a little bit of work for us to pass you. Oh, and by the way, that's my, that's my nephew. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. um, I know we talked about it <clears throat> when we started the IAHA. We had a lot of uh, board meetings where we talked about safety and what we could do to improve the reputation of haunted attractions. And I remember uh, it might have been uh, Bob Turner, Crazy Bob, or somebody was talking about. It. They said, "Well, we've got this really bad reputation because." haunted attractions they'll go into business and then people saying they they tore the building up and left it in a big mess so he said what can we do to fix this i said well i don't know clean your damn building up when you leave for starters uh but um i called a, a property manager once about a building up in bristol and he said well i'm not going to rent to a haunted house i said and why not and he said well start with uh, Y'all leave the building in uh, awful shape. You tear everything up. I said, you know, I've got letters from my previous uh, landlords or people I rented from stating quite the opposite. I said, we carry uh, one to $2 million liability insurance. He goes, yeah, all of them say they got insurance. None of them do. I said, well, I do. He said, well, I don't want anything like a haunted house in there because that's old devil stuff. I said, oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there, there it is. <laughs> what's, what's funny is, uh, Nashville nightmare was able to get the space originally it got because he told them it was for storage for his Halloween stores. He only mentioned a haunted house when, after he signed the lease, he said, well, I may be able to do a little small haunt here if I have time. They're like, Oh, who cares? No big deal. He had to tell them it was for his Halloween express stores. Otherwise, he may not have got in that space because they didn't want a haunted house in there. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately the the term haunted house has a real bad stigma around it, and uh, hopefully we're on maybe we're on another another cycle or another upswing to where people will will look past the the stories they hear and let you know give people a shot with with a space. But as long as there's you know. I always say it to people all the time, like all it takes is one haunted house having a mistake or, or a bad story. And it's suddenly all haunted houses are this way. 
like uh, the the story Ocean I go City. to. Yeah, the story I go to was a few years ago. Um, they did a, a haunted haunted auction barn in Bluntville, up in uh, up in Tri Cities, mm. and these guys left a tile blade in a circular saw because their thought was. It's a smooth blade. It's not going to cut anybody. Ooh. It's still a blade <laughs> spinning in a in a saw. It's designed to cut tile. Um, but not and people. A, yeah, but not, it's not a people saw. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> um, Do they make people a, saws? Because I want one. <laughs> any saw is a people saw if you believe in yourself and try hard enough. There you go. Um, but this, this teenage girl came through and got scared and like most people do, or especially most teenage girls do, and they get scared. They she kicked at the actor, and it cut a big chunk yeah. out of her leg, mm. and it, it became a people saw. Um, and the the news stories were it wasn't this specific haunted house hurt a patron due to their negligence. It was haunted houses are dangerous. Don't let your children go. Because he yep. used talisman for people stuff. Yes, <laughs> and that, I remember that aggravating me so much because, like, you know, one, it's it's terrible that that happened. I feel awful that someone got hurt. It's also like it it sullies the industry that I'm so passionate about because, you know, one lone idiot decided to leave a saw blade in a saw, whereas the entire rest of the industry is is safe and considerate. But well, they're yeah. focus on that one story. You also have to worry constantly about someone doing something stupid that's working for you. Something yep. you wouldn't even, I mean, like putting a noose around their neck and then yep. hanging themselves. Uh, yep. I mean, that's happened before. Uh, luckily, not, not to me, but not because they probably weren't trying. Because, you know, I know we had some great people working for us, but we, some of them were they, it's not they didn't know nothing. They didn't even suspect nothing. All right. They, uh, some of these people were just dumb as sticks. Um, <laughs> and, as, and everybody that has worked for me knows that I, I, I love everybody. And um, uh, except for that one guy. Anyway, um, <laughs> you find that um, you have to watch your actors like a hawk. Were you there when I had to burn the mask? I think so. This is one of my favorite haunts. That sounds stories. familiar. So, um, I had all the, I had everything laid out. We wanted uh, the actors to wear. Everybody was assigned a scene, had a mask and a costume. And, and it was a small operation, but anyway, it worked. So deep under the table in a box that probably had a hundred feet of duct tape and filled with cobras to keep people away from it. There's some masks in there I didn't want people to use. I don't know why I left them there. I should have known not to. So halfway through the hunt, I see the mask. That I didn't even buy the mask. Somebody brought it in and said, hey, man, we can use this because it looks good and scary because it's got a guy coming out of his head. Look at that, man. Can you imagine somebody coming out of your head? Anyway, so <laughs> it ends up in the hall. I'm walking through. I said, what are you doing wearing that? Oh, cause it, I said, I know it's got something coming out of the head. Okay, take it off. Put your mask back on. I told you to wear and give me the mask. So I took it, put it back under the table in the box with the cobra. So anyway, next night, 
Somebody else has got it. So I take it and I throw it in the trash. Next night, it came out of the trash somehow. <laughs> Somebody's walking by the trash can and go, look at there. Somebody threw that great mask away with the hands. So <laughs> <coughs> it ended up back in the hump. Four times it ended up in the hump after I had taken it away from people. So I finally gathered everyone around. We had a big, big 55 gallon can with a fire going in it and I burned the mask. <laughs> and I think I actually said, anyone who still wants to wear it can reach in now and pull it out. <laughs> yeah. So people will do stupid stuff. It's, it's not that they're wanting to destroy your business. It's just their nature. Yeah. They're stupid. Well, I, Matt knows who I'm about to talk about. There was a, a, a kid uh, named Brandon Inglis who's got a big heart for haunted houses and he, he means well. It's just, he's the kind of kid that would ask you a question as you're answering, he's already asking you another question and he thinks he knows everything. So Jimmy, when you came to death yard, did you see a guy on stilts when you came? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. So that, I think it's that's pretty, I don't know. Was it the first year of death yard or the second? Well, it was the year that it closed down, so. The second year, okay. So it, it wasn't Brandon then at the time. But anyway, he was our first stilt walker, and I don't know how many stories I had at Death Yard where I just wanted to kill that guy. And not only at Death Yard, but at Monster Mountain. So just talk about, I could draw it out in crayon, don't do this. He was going to do it anyway. It didn't matter how many times I said it, he was going to do it. And I don't yep. know if he was just put on this earth to test me, um, but he did a really good job. There was one time where I got so mad at him, I grabbed a spray can and I reared back and I was going to just pelt him with it and I didn't. And then I also grabbed him by the, were you there when I grabbed him, Matt? Were you there for that one? Yep. And I just kind of shook him. I was like, just get out of my face. I was so upset with him, but. Top three stinky stories. We call him stinky because his feet smelled so bad. Oh. One, Monster Mountain, Yellow Jackets. <laughs> so we're at Monster Mountain. It's an outdoor attraction, and we're building this. We're work, reworking this scene, and we found a nest of Yellow Jackets. They love being at Monster Mountain for some reason. It's just like the perfect spot for those hellions to live. <laughs> so he, he walks up and goes, hey, what's going on? And I was like, well... There's yellow jackets, Brandon. We can't work right now. We're going to try to figure out a way to attack the nest. He's like, I'll do it. I'm not allergic. And I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I'm not scared. So <laughs> I, we give him some spray. Snake Man gives him some spray, and Snake Man's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And he goes up to this nest, face into the nest like this. I mean, I'm talking like right in the nest. Sprays that spray and just looks at the nest. They come flying out of that nest and just like, pow, 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 start pelting him in the face. He goes, oh, 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 and he's running around like crazy, and he starts screaming. And I was like, what's up, hard ass? I thought, I thought you were going to be all right. He's like, it hurts. It hurts. And I was like, yeah, you dumb shit. Like, just because you're not allergic doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And his face starts swelling and swelling up. And he was so, uh. like, pissed off. Like, he's mad at us because he was the idiot that went and sprayed a yeah, I mean, right up into the nest. Oh my yeah. God. And uh, second 
second stinky story that I have is he was getting on my nerves at death yard. And I told him, I said, just go take a break. I don't want to deal with you right now. So he go, waddles over to this uh, other side of where death yard was like in this industrial complex. And he sits on this dumpster. Well, when you sit on a dumpster, those, the, the plastic covers, you know, there's no middle bar. They, they'll, they'll cave in. So he's sitting there smoking a cigarette. Next thing I know, he, I see him go, hoo, 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 and he falls right in the dumpster. All I see is he's still <laughs> sticking out of the dumpster. And we left his ass there for a good 10 minutes. He's like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. And I was like, no, you're, you're good. Oh. And then uh, the, the third stinky story is when I called up Matt to take, I said, hey, man, we just got a call from the news. They, you know, we're going to do, like, this costume contest. They want us to be a part of it. So I called Matt. I said, can you be Stinky's handler? Because he's on stilts. Can you take him down to the, the Fox 17 News? He's like, God. I was like, dude, I'd really appreciate it if you could do it. Because I had to work or something. And he took him down there. And what did he – how did it go, Matt? We're, we're on our way there. And he goes, am I going to fit in the studio? <laughs> I'm like – well, yeah, I mean, the ceilings are pretty high. I mean, you, you're on stilts. He goes, I mean, look, it looks small on TV. It's only this big. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know was if he it, thought it was going to be like a, like a Johnny TV situation for Willy Wonka or what. Is that, is that also the same day he came back and confused the brain for a heart? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> I mean, let me, let me just say, oh. I, I pick on the kid. He's a good dude. He means well. He's got a he's got a big heart, but he's just one of those kids that just he, he made me a better person and a better manager and a better owner because because you went through trials, right? And and you know <laughs> I I consider Brandon a friend of mine. I don't yeah. talk to him very often, but when I, he calls me, I I know I talk to him and you know. But he it's just a lot of stories of him more than I could probably even you know even tell here, but. So old stinky man, oh, that he stunk up the whole haunted house with his feet, and then Matt made him. We, me and you made him take a shower. We physically dragged him into the shower. <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt, were you were you there at Crown House tonight? The the uh, you remember the crackhead couple? Um, Vaguely, a, a guy that worked for Randy came over. He said, "Hey, man, uh, uh, my." Uh, my daughter and her boyfriend, uh, they're, they're wanting to see if you, they work for you at that haunted house thing. I said, uh, well, I don't know if I can afford them or not. Uh, I said, um, uh, yeah, well, I'll give them a try. And uh, so the first night after the show, they're, they're over going, hey, uh, man, can we get paid uh, like tonight? I said, well, uh, we use, I usually pay on Saturday. Well, yeah, man, but uh, we, um, we got some bills, uh, we need to, uh, need, need, need to pay. And, uh, I wonder if you, and they were like itching and they, they were jonesing for a fix, yeah. I guess. Uh, so anyway, the first, second night they show up, they have stopped at, I guess Walmart or somewhere or Walgreens, they bought one of the cassette tapes, you know, sounds of the chilling haunted house or something like that. Ooh. You remember? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you remember we had uh, Vortex 
I loved Vortex. I thought it was a great just background. I didn't want anything yeah. specific. So standing in the hump, everything's good. People are screaming, yeah. Lines out front, everybody's moving along. And then the music stops. I go. And then sounds of the chilling haunted house starts. And I said, oh, oh so I go back, yeah, I go back through the control, master control, and I take it out of the the, the, the CD player. I said cassette, it was a CD. And I put the other thing back in, and just then the scratchy comes up, and he goes, why you check that out for, man? That was, that was cool. That other stuff, man, that's weirded me out. I said, <laughs> oxygen weirds you out. Uh, don't change the music. Don't change music. I picked this music specifically. So I'll tell you a couple of quick, quick stories. Um, we had a guy, the first, <laughs> our first year we were in the Johnson City Mall. The second year we were in um, uh, Piney Flats. And um, at Piney Flats, before we opened, we got a call from a guy in Kingsport. His name was Steve. Steve goes, uh, <clears throat> hey, man, uh, you the one's got the haunted house going? I said, yes, sir. Uh, do you need uh, people to be like goats and stuff? I said, <laughs> yes, we will. He goes, because uh, I think I'd be real good at it. I said, okay, uh, do you have any experience? He said, no, um, but uh, I was in a play one time and I, I carried a really big ax. <laughs> and, and I've still got it. Okay. He said, could I come over and audition or something? I said, um, yeah, uh, come on over. So, I, I mean, I, I thought, well, he goes, uh, listen, um, I'm on some antidepressants. Should I stay on those for this? <laughs> I said, yeah. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's good. He goes, should I bring that axe? I said, no, we have axes. We're good. We're good for action. So he shows up, and I, I don't know what to expect. And this guy's about six foot four. He's got long, long black, black hair parted in the middle. He's pasty white. I mean, he looked great. And um, he ended up being one of the best actors we had. Yep. But I couldn't put him in a scene because it'd be like, ooh. I mean, he talked <laughs> like that. And, and that's so what I did, I put him in the line, just creeping people out. I said, just talk to people. And um, <laughs> just be yourself. Just be yourself. <laughs> which turned out to be a mistake as well because himself made said some really weird things from time to time. And my mom was working the ticket booth and he'd go over and talk to my mom. And she loved talking to us. She got a kick out of him. And, and uh, he came up to me one time. He said, 
did you see them two little uh, gay boys that come through there? They screaming, screaming like girls. I said, no, I missed that. He goes, I think one of them went to the bathroom in his pants. I said, really? And every night it would be some sort of story like that. So you never know when you're going. I always give everybody the benefit of a doubt. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I'm at a Wendy's in Hendersonville, and I'm ordering my food. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this tall, seven-foot lurch-looking son of a bitch hunkered down under the, the, the vent of the fryer. And I was like, who is that? And this lady goes, who, Jordan? I go, yes, I need to speak with Jordan, please. So this seven-foot dude just walks up to me at the register, and he looks down, and he's like, yo. <laughs> and I remember looking up, like, hey, man, do you want to work in a haunted house and get paid? He's like, I guess. I got to ask my parents. I was like, how old are you? 16. I was like, Jesus. He wore like a 15 shoe. The biggest <laughs> the biggest kid I've ever seen. His dad was even bigger than he was. He was gigantic. And the worst part about Jordan, the only thing that just ruined it is when he would try to speak as a character and came out British. He was always British. <laughs> I remember one night. Just, I was like, oh, like, oh, no. I remember one night I walked into the scene, and I was like, Jordan, everything you're doing is great, except your accent. He goes, what accent? <laughs> <laughs> that one. I'm, so, I'm, not, I'm just talking. Like, no. Nope. He made chips at the Twindies. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. So somebody goes, Carol, man, where'd you find this guy? I go, Wendy's. <laughs> Where'd you find an Englishman that tall? <laughs> yeah, was, you're, you're right, though. I mean, some of the – we had this one guy named Derek, and his family in a station wagon would drop him off. And this kid – I don't know how to explain it. was just different. But that dude would kill any scene you put him in. He macho manned off the cop car, elbow dropped the cop car, and got glass all in his elbow the last night we were open and just put himself out there 100% all the time, but smelled like an onion. And, I, I mean, but that guy, he – who did he remind you of? Matt, he, he reminded me of somebody. We were talking about it. And he actually went on, he went on to work at Devil's Dungeon. <coughs> I'm trying to remember who it was that we said he, re he reminded us of. <laughs> was it one of the Clopex from the Burbs? I think so. I think it was a uh, Pinocchio. Where do you think you're uh, going? Was it him? <laughs> Maybe. I don't remember. We, we had so many discussions in, in the Death Yard office uh, about uh, that. But Derek was an individual. Uh, you know, he came from Gorehouse. He was one of the ones that came from Gorehouse. But he was a great asset to Death Yard and you know, actually, Jordan went on to work at Monster Mountain after Death Yard closed. Some people he worked get at Monster it. Mountain before. I don't before or after. I don't remember. Some people just get it. Yeah. Um, you know, my brother-in-law Frank. Uh, I always call him Frankie. Everybody called him Frankie. He came up uh, for three years and helped me uh, with Crown House. He was living out in Oklahoma. He came up and would stay with us. 
and I, you know, he could have built it without me. Um, and then Andrew Sieber, Sieber got it. Sieber was a natural, he was great management, uh, eventually became a policeman. Um, a guy named Stephen Abair, you remember him, the tall guy with long red hair that wore yep. those big long coats? And he yep. was perfect. We had uh, Stacy and Shane. Shane saw and Stacy, man, Stacy would scream her guts out. Uh, and it was just a great, a great thing. And you're talking about the guy elbowing the cop car. Frankie's favorite story, not just haunted house story, but favorite story ever about me, besides me spiking a volleyball 175,000 feet in the air. <laughs> involved, we were building a crone house the first year at the campground. Uh, Carol and Jimmy, uh, we built a 18-room house in the middle of a campground without a floor or without a ceiling. Wow. Um, we lit it. We had speakers. Yep. It, it went against everything that you'd ever think of doing, didn't it, Matt? Yep. Um, and it was great until it poured rain that Friday before Halloween. We lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. But anyway, so we're building uh, the first year. We're, we're, me and Frankie are last ones to leave. And we get in my truck. I had just bought a truck from Randy for $700 really good one actually it was a great truck i drove it for another 10 years so we get in the truck and i'm backing up and i hit something <laughs> i hit the only tree within a thousand miles of the camp there was a huge tree a hundred feet from the haunted house and as i'm backing up I mean, it's not like it's a sapling. This thing's, a, <laughs> this thing's as big around as Rosie O'Donnell. So I slam into this tree, and we both just <laughs> like that. And we both look back through the rearview mirror, and we both start laughing. I'm not upset because I only paid $700 for the truck. It didn't even hurt the bumper. But we were laughing, and we laughed all the way home. Next year, we're building Crown House, same campground. Getting ready to leave one night, and Frankie says, "You remember last year when we?" And then we hit the tree again. <laughs> if I never back into that tree again in my life, it'll be too soon. My my favorite Frankie story was. <laughs> Fixing something in the middle of the show, like corpse something later. messed up. Cor oh, the corpse later. He's having to fix a corpse later, and a group's coming through, and he just the goes. Breaker later. He just goes, ah, ah, with the screw gun. Yeah, he's he's fixing the prop, <laughs> and he hears the group coming. So rather than just hide, he turns around with the drill and goes, yeah. and it worked. Was Tim? Was it was it Shane that chased the kid across Volunteer Parkway that night? Yes, and it, and they came out of the Shane Ford. I love Shane Ford. He was one of the best guys we ever had down there. He worked for me for the two years we were at the campground. Uh, his girlfriend Stacy. They loved 
Crone House, um, and um, Shane loved Michael Myers. Shane also loved um, uh, Leatherface. And get this, Shane was always late, and I told him every night, I said, you're going to regret being late some night. Well, um, Dick uh, uh, Warlock came one Friday night before we opened because he lived over in Kingsport. You know, Dick Warlock played Michael Myers in the second Halloween movie. Also, uh, Richard Driver's stunt double in Jaws. But really, I didn't know yep. that. Uh, he was so anyway. The, he was Dick on the comes over. <laughs> Dick comes over to see us. I'd invited him, and uh, Shane missed him because he was running late. And bless his heart. Anyway, I got off on a tangent. So. Shane would be the last thing they go past the, we had a survey board. And I think this is the best thing I ever designed. I didn't design the prop. This, the prop was a drop portrait. But instead of a painting or a portrait on it, I put a, I put a chalkboard that was scored with lines. And it said at the top, was Crone House scary? Yes or no. And it had a column of yes and column of no. And there's a piece of chalk hanging there. They'd pick up the chalk, go to market on it, and it would slide down out of the fray. And the monster would come out at him. And he'd usually get hit in the face with the chalk uh, dispenser. <laughs> <coughs> so anyway, they'd go past the chalkboard. And then Shane, oh, Chainsaw, he'd chase them out with the chainsaw. He had a, the apron and the leather face mask and everything. We could care less about copyrights. But anyway, he scared one boy, and the boy kept running. Well, then the boy came back to find his friend, and then Shane ran out there again with the chainsaw and chased him off again. Finally, he wouldn't come back. He called him. He said, I'm, I'm up here at the ticket booth. Ticket booth was out there. So they said, okay, we'll come get you. Well, Shane, Shane got up in the back in the bed of their truck with the chainsaw and laid down. Oh, shit. When they went to get the guy, they told him, said, just get in the back. We don't have room. <laughs> Jumps in the back and say, rip, 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 starts that chainsaw. And the kid jumps out of the truck and runs across the highway. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of the night, pitch black. And, you know, Volunteer Parkway is a, is a four-lane highway with a median. Yeah. And he would not come back. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> Scared the shit out of that know, here, uh, I'll tell you a quick House of Shock story. The year I, uh, year I played down there, uh, I just – I was in my zombie get-up, and uh, I uh, – I went and uh, was working the line out front, um, and um, there was a girl there, and the guy with the chainsaw kept coming out, and she was terrified of chainsaws, uh, and then it kept, kept going. Finally, she would start hiding behind all of her friends. And then, <laughs> Then he came. Then he came out with a leaf blower, and I don't know. If she just didn't realize it was a leaf blower. She pulled down about six hundred feet of stanchion chain, 
Jeez. Getting away from this guy. <clears throat> and the chain was wrapped around. It was plastic chain, fortunately, but it was wrapping around uh, people's legs and uh, it was, it was, that, that was such a great experience. Uh, I used to go over to, um, Hacker House with, uh, Cliff Martin and, uh, I love Cliff Martin. He's one of my favorite, he's one of my best friends in Hunts and Stu McIntyre used to come down from Maryland, Stooby Doo. And, uh, we'd meet over there and me and, me and Stu would, uh, would work, uh, and it was fun getting back, you know, getting back in the boots and just being a hunter again, not having to worry about running stuff. Yeah. I, uh, speaking of, you know, people that just kind of sometimes get it, sometimes they don't, or the guy with the drill scaring people. Yeah. I worked at Outback Steakhouse and at Monster Mountain, we needed more actors. So I, I said, anybody want to work, you know, work at work the haunt tonight? And so my buddy's like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So we put them in the Christmas scene. We had a Christmas scene. So one guy's at the door when they when they greet. And uh, <clears throat> it was like, I'm walking through, checking on people. And he stops me and goes, Carol, man, I, I just want to apologize. And I said, for what? And he said, well, the last group, I, I think I screwed up. And I said, what'd you do? He's like, well, I kind of cussed at him. I said, well, why'd you do that? He said, well... They were coming through the door and I froze. I didn't know what to say. So I looked at the Christmas tree and I grabbed a baby doll that was under the tree and I grabbed it and I started stabbing it with this pencil that I found. And I and he said, I started yelling, Merry fucking Christmas, Stephen. Merry fucking Christmas. And I was like, you did that? And he's like, yeah. And then the other guy goes, yeah, man. And then when they came down the hallway, I went busted out the, the bust away doors and they were like, oh, hell, somebody's going to be in the, in the closet. And I busted out of the door and said, boom, motherfucker, like that. And I was like, guys, this is the worst thing you could possibly do. Where are you going? Get us down. I was like, guys. And they were like, we got that out of our system. We're going to be all right. So then I asked them if they wanted to work again. They are like, no, we're good. They got it out of their system. But I was like, how – how crazy does it have to be to sit there, you, you freeze, don't know what to say, and then just start cussing out customers and start stabbing a doll? I panicked. I was like, I'm worried about your mental health. If you start stabbing a doll with a pencil, oh, my God. But Oh, man. I'll I tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a quick story here, and I'll, I'll let you all decide which one you want to hear because I know we're running out of time. I can tell the diarrhea story. I can tell the snake man and me meet the creature story. Or I can tell the, uh, I wasn't there for it, but I got the play-by-play, -play, which is pretty funny, about the guy uh, treating Monster Mountain's parking lot like an off-road track and jumping into the, his truck into the pond and it's sinking. I can tell that story. So which one would y'all want to hear out of those three? Because I know we're stressed for time. Uh, I got to vote for the creature story. Yeah, real quick, or is there going to be some Snake Man imitations? <laughs> probably, probably. I got to go with that one then. All right. So it's 3 o'clock in the morning. We're up at the mountain in what they used to call the dance room. It's where basically halfway through the show is this big structure that we had stripper poles in and rap music, dance music playing. Where people can kind of cut loose, have some fun. So we're in there working on something. I don't even remember and we're cutting outside because we've been painting and staining. We didn't want the dust to get in there. 
So we walk outside close to where the burning house was to, to, to cut. And it's like I said, it's 3 a.m. Me and Snake Man are out there with our headlights on. Uh, he's out there, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, doing everything. That's how Snake Man talks. <laughs> he's telling me how I need to cut a board, and I'm like, God damn it, Snake, I'm on it. I know what I'm doing. He's like, hey, you stiff motherfucker. You know, we're going back and forth. <laughs> and uh, I think I said something. I was like, I said, Snake Man, I said, what the hell do you know? And then just messing with him, he's like, I know more than you, you stupid ass. And next thing I know, I hear what sounds like this. And I immediately just freeze. <clears throat> and I'm like shaking. And I look over at Snake Man, because I'm like, maybe Snake Man heard that and can like figure out what that meant. And Snake Man is wide-eyed and scared to death. Okay. Snake Man looks like a hell's angel, number one. Number two, I've never seen Snake Man. He's just grabs random snakes. He's not scared of anything. So when I saw Snake Man was scared, I start to get a little scared. So then the, then the next thing, I'm like, okay, what made that sound? And next thing I know, trees start moving like Jurassic Park back and forth. And it yells this, and it jumps from tree to tree and getting closer to us breaking branches this thing is it sounds like it's huge okay <laughs> so i'm like snake man what the fuck is that he goes uh, fuck if i know uh, but i'm about to get the fuck up out of here and i look at <laughs> snake man and he runs for his cart little utility cart i'm running over to snake man he can't find the keys and we keep hearing this thing like screeching and like it's like it's chasing us we don't even know right we don't even know where this thing is what it is we haul ass down the down the hill we leave all the lights on all the power on we get to the he takes me up to my house i lived across the street and i said snake man what the hell was that he just looks at me and he's like uh uh fuck if i know <laughs> And I, I just remember going, I don't want to be back up there. And I never heard it again. I never knew what it was or So you never you, you never found out what that was? Never did. And I, to this day, like, I'll, I'll get chill bumps talking about that sound that it made and, and how big it was because these trees were just, like I said, like a T-Rex was coming through the woods. And the, and the wood, now where was this? At the Monster Mountain you're Monster talking Mountain, about? Yeah, right outside of Hendersonville. Wow. I to see Snake Man scared was something that I've like when I saw he was scared, that's when I started to get scared because you know <laughs> I I was sitting there thinking, what could it like trying to process what could it be? And somebody said it was probably just a uh, uh, a peacock. I said a peacock? <laughs> yeah, get shit out of here. There's no way that was a peacock, man. Because that 15 foot tall. Yeah, I said I never saw the creature. Peacock. <laughs> I, I heard it. And I saw the trees that it was moving, and this wasn't no peacock. This thing was pissed that we were up there, whatever it was. That was the monster of Monster Mountain. They, they call Bigfoot. it the Wookiee. They, they used to call it the Wookiee up there. But Think it's a Bigfoot? Yeah. Maybe. I the... You know, I'm the, I'm the severe county representative for East Tennessee Bigfoot. 
Uh, so right. I, I take it that very seriously. I, I, I'm huge into trains. I don't know if you can see all the rest of my stuff is mostly train books and trains, haunts, and uh, and Bigfoot. I love uh, love Bigfoot. Of course, I played bluegrass music for years, uh, and I always wanted to do a Bigfoot Woods uh, attraction. I tried to get John and them when John Tarpley was the uh, projects manager for the escape rooms up in Gatlinburg, I tried to get him, get them to do a Bigfoot. They they ended up doing one called Goliath, which was a gigantic bear. But I think it had been much better as a Bigfoot. And then somebody not too long after that actually did a Bigfoot. Um, we had uh, great times. Um, Matt, as you know, I miss it. Uh, John and I have talked about trying to do another one up here. We're looking at some possible locations. Um, can't seem to get much traction, though. It's hard to, <clears throat> as all of you know, th these are difficult things to try to get going. Yep. And there are people who've gotten lucky. I still think there's a lot of luck to it. I mean, you work hard. You can work hard. Carol, I know you guys worked hard. You put a lot of money into it, and you did everything that you think possible you can do. And, like, I've talked to other people, and they said, well, man, we just we just took an old house one Halloween. We put some candles in it, and 40,000 people showed up and gave, gave us $100 each. And yeah, <laughs> we messed with that for that, you know. You, you hear stories like that, and I wonder if any of them are true, but I do know people gotten lucky in the haunt business. They didn't start oh, yeah. out, they didn't start out planning on being the house of shock or uh, 13th gate or, you know, any of these uh, spooky woods started in Tony's. I got the spooky woods shirt on, by the way, Tony Wolgamuth, one of my good buddies over in North Carolina, Kersey Valley, North Carolina. Um, I think he started out in a, a house he was either born in or grew up in. Yep. And now it's still, it's still the first part of the haunt you go through. Uh, it's a great, Spooky Woods is great if you ever get a chance. If you're over in North Carolina, around Halloween, hit uh, Hacker House, Cliff Martin, like I said, great buddy of mine. I've got friends all around the country that do haunts. I met a lot of people, you know, when we started IAHA. Um, uh, it, for a while, it went really well, and I didn't have a lot of time to put into it, but I did what I could, and then it merged with the HHA or the uh, whatever, but... Um, the HAA or... HAA, yeah. Those were fun years, though. I made a lot of good friends, friends I still hear from from time to time uh haunters all around the all around the country uh and you know uh let me show you this real quick this book this is michael roddy's book haunter's tale if you're a haunter get this there's some great stuff in there uh now i'm not selling any of these well actually i sell the, the last one i just wanted to show uh this is copy of my first book complete haunted house book uh, that's actually from the first printing <clears throat> the very rare second book most people didn't know existed. That's Haunted House Sketchbook. And this was just 
random sketches that I put together in a little spiral bound book. And then this was the last one, the uh, Make Your House Everything You Ever Haunted. Um, I've got a copy of that one. Yep. That's a, that's a great book if people want to start a haunt. But I wasn't helped actually get me started into the, the haunt business and get to know people. Um, I was sitting on a cruise ship. I, I worked cruise ships for 27 years. I shit sitting on shit. I shit on a <laughs> ship one day. I did that too. Yeah, I usually save that for my act. Anyway, um, I was sitting on the <clears throat> ship one day and I thought, man, I miss doing haunted houses. And I thought, you know, I've only, I only knew of one book had ever been written on the subject. And that was Phil Morris's, uh, the Phil Morris and Dennis Phillips book. Uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to write a book. And about a year and a half later, I opened the box in Chicago, the first box. I had the printers ship a box up there because it wasn't going to be ready yet. Send it to the hotel I was staying up there. And when I got to the hotel, checked in, he said, oh, this came for you. And he handed me a box of, there's 25 books in it. And man, I could not wait. That was the first thing I'd ever done like that. Got up to my room, opened it up, pulled out the first, matter of fact, got the first one laying over there. The first copy of it I kept. And uh, then I, I took them to, took some to the show, tra uh, Transworld show. And, um, then uh, Phil Morris uh, and I made a deal, and he took pretty much just about all the first printing. Phil Morris was a wonderful friend. Um, Philip Morris, I call him Phil, but Philip Morris, uh, Morris costume. He was ultimate showman. Uh, met him when I was in the second grade. He did a magic show in my town, which it, that inspired me to become a magician. Years later, I worked for him. I did some shows for him. I performed over at Morris Costumes for the National Costumers Association uh, with Lash LaRue, the bullwhip artist. Lash and I and Tommy Curtin, a juggler, national champion juggler from Bristol, uh, rang the bell. And then I did tours in Louisiana and Texas for him. And he was a real good friend. I miss Phil. I got to Tommy and I went over to see him about a year before he died. Phil uh, had Alzheimer's. Huh. And we went over to see him about six or eight months after he was diagnosed. And part of the time, you'd never know anything was wrong. And then all of a sudden, he wouldn't know how to write his name. Or We, we, we took him and Amy, his wife, I love Amy, we took them out to eat over at uh, Golden Corral. That's where they wanted to eat. And uh, we went over to the buffet and we all got our stuff, came back and me and Amy and Tommy Curtin, the juggler friend, and Phil was nowhere in sight. She got, oh, I hope he hadn't wandered off. So um, we sat there a little bit and Phil finally comes up and he's got a, a really big plate and it's completely covered with baked beans. That's all, he, <laughs> that's all he got. Uh, we went back over to the the uh, costume <clears throat> company 
and sat and talked. And he would talk. He could remember 1945, the Rialto Theater in Flint, Michigan. I was on the show with so and so. And he would rattle off these dates and people and times and what they did and everything. And then it would be like a light switch. He would just, he wouldn't, didn't know how to spell his name or he wasn't sure who his wife was or whatever. It was sad, uh, but I'm glad I spent some time with him. We went over, spent uh, a day with him, and I'll miss him. He, uh, he and I disagreed on Bigfoot, but um, he was the showman showman. He was the grandfather of haunted attractions, and uh, I miss Philip Morris. He was one of a kind. I only, I think, I only met him once at Transworld, but he seemed, you know older fellow by that time and you know just hearing the stories about him just kind of like you said like huge innovator of the industry and beyond and um it's kind of cool that you got to know him in that way because you know i just hear stories so that's pretty that's pretty cool he started with um he and his wife made gorilla suits in their basement and uh <laughs> he he was he was tight as Dick's hat band too. He was cheap as could be. He, when he'd check into a hotel, he would give him a business card that said Philip Morris travel agent. He wasn't a travel agent. He just had the card printed up. And they'd look at it and then he'd go, I'm going to need that card back. Because <laughs> he only had one. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so it's been a I've had a wonderful life in the haunt business. I made some great friends. Matt, I love you like a son I never wanted. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud my, of My you. dad tells me the same thing. Well, that's he's not your real father, by the way. Um, uh, I love you. You've done so well with Von Graham. <clears throat> and you. you know, one of the nice, the, the things that made me feel uh, very proud was when you told me when you applied at Ripley's. And they asked you if you had any haunt experience. You remember telling me that story? Uh, vaguely. I think he's talking to Greg. I, I don't know. You, you said, well, Greg, I, Greg was the one who. Yeah, Greg was the one who gave me my interview, and I, I remember telling him that I worked at at Crone House and worked with you. And the, I'm trying to remember how it went. He said, "You'll never work in the haunt business." No. <laughs> he said, "Well, this is—it's been—it's been great." Uh, it's but been nice. Say, Thank uh, you very much. <laughs> work for that bastard, and you'll never. <laughs> but no, I remember—I do remember the first time he found out that I—that I knew you and that I'd worked with you. He was very—he was very excited, and very complimentary about that because of your reputation in the haunt industry. And I've had several people that were that way, and it. It was one of those is like because I because I didn't know you prior to my time at Crone House, all of that kind of caught me off guard because I was unaware of, of the reputations you did have. Um, you know, I I knew it was like I I just knew you as, as my buddy and a guy I liked and a guy that meant a lot to me and taught me a lot. But then to find out that there were people in the industry that that didn't know you and were, were floored when I told them that I was, you know, had lunch with you at Hardy's on our first 
our first date. Our first date. <laughs> uh, One thing well, I want to I want to show off is uh, you know Matt's done so great. This little this bad boy. Yeah. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, he made this for me. That's Rafe. Rafe. Yeah, I've you know I've I've been I've been blessed in the the time I've been in the haunt industry to to know people like you Tim and and Greg Weir. I want to get Greg on the show at some point and and chat with him and to have such a strong friendship with Carol that I do that and now you know I've got gotten to know Jimmy over the last couple of years really well and yeah. it's it really it kind of supersedes just the the enjoyment factor of of haunting to really make those friendships and be able to keep them and, and stay in contact with those people. And it means a lot to me. And I'm really glad we were able to do this and I, I want to do some more stuff like this and just, you know, swap stories and talk about the industry that we enjoy so much. Oh, yeah. Well, in the haunt business, I've managed to work myself up from nothing to a state of massive debt and zero name recognition. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm very happy. Um, no, it's not a job. It's kind of like the, the, the uh, was it the army? It's not a job. It's an adventure. It, it's not a job. It's a way of life almost. It's different. Yeah, it has the friends you make, the friends you make in haunt, uh, in the haunt industry, uh, you might not see them for two or three years. And then it's, you just pick up right where you left off. It's great. Very proud of you, Matt. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. You rascal. I don't know if it's if it's uh if it's fate or just, you know, ignorance not knowing when to stop, but it's it's worked out so far. Yeah, a little I'm, a little bit of both. I'm, I'm I'm too dumb to know when to quit. <laughs> ignorance and stupidity is a recipe for success. That's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> but uh but uh, I was I've I've been lucky to align myself with the right people throughout my career. Um, Carol is definitely at the top of that list for when I came down to Nashville. He was one of the one of the first guys to give me a shot in the area, and you know, enjoyed our time at Death Yard more than than anything I've done in the last ten years. Um, it's definitely going to be a haunt that I hold near and dear to my heart forever. It's going to be, you know, this is going to be right up there with Crone House and with my time at Ripley's of, you know, being a, a special time in my career because it was so much fun and it was such a creative environment. And I remember there were several times we'd sit up in the office, just I would have a sketchbook out and we'd be talking about stuff we want to do and come up with character designs and just pitching ideas at one another and how cool would it be to do this or, you know, he would tell me about cult grindhouse which was a fun fun scene that i didn't really get at the beginning like he pitched it to me and he's like it's like a, a lost member of the manson family and it's <laughs> he's built his lair and it's all like 60s and 70s and, and i was like all right whatever well, i'll i'll trust you because you know you haven't steered me wrong yet um and when we got the when you got the right people in that scene it was phenomenal um that scene was great. Uh, Camp Blood, our our Friday the Thirteenth scene, I would put up against any any scene in a haunted house anywhere, especially any 
Friday the 13th scene. Because it was, it, you felt like you were at Camp Crystal Lake, and we were inside of Campy smell. We didn't even use scents. It was just really weird. <laughs> the, I, know the, I know that hallway that went, out, went to the outside made it feel like you were outside in October. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it was a phenomenal time there. And, you know, the, the connections I've made through that to, you know, then to get to go be at Nashville Nightmare and enjoy my time there. But it, the, the atmosphere we had at Death Yard was, was something I want to try and, and recreate when I do have my own show. Do you remember how, how cool it would be? You know, we'd be there working all day and just random people would show up and like, wanting to help and then we'd sit there in the office and kick ideas back and forth and we you know tell some funny stories make some jokes go eat come back it's like it wasn't a job at all man it, and it, no. you had to leave you were bummed you had to leave yeah yeah and that you're, was you're, hang, you're hanging out with your haunt friends and that was you know yeah. you're with people that, that you knew you could be yourself around you didn't have to you know you didn't have to pretend to be you know normal and if you're one of the people that's lucky enough to earn a living from just doing haunting, I think that that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I would still, you know, I turned 60 this year. I would still love to just do haunting and then rest of the year play with my trains. <laughs> Being Greg, you, train, you know, Greg's ended uh, model trains as well. Yep. Greg Weir. All right. I got to go. Yeah, Tim, me take too, care. Guys. Carol, it's great, it's great seeing you again. Good to see you, sir. Jimmy, Jimmy, it was wonderful to meet you. You too. Matt, that beard's just nasty ass. You, <laughs> you need to trim it or do something. Well, I, I, like can't, I can't go to the barber right now, so. Man, look, I've, I've, my hair flips up like Grandpa Munster. <laughs> Herman, <laughs> what what little bit I've got left is long and stringy. Wow. You got some chop top up there, Matt. Looks like chop top. There you go. Yeah. You got back there. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks again to Tim Harkle Road and Carol Moore for coming on and chit chatting and sharing stories and and wandering down Amnesia Lane with us. So, oh, yeah. You guys have a good night, and we'll see you next time. Thank All you. right. See ya. See ya. Night. Thank you.